Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. I have to tell you people, I went to a baseball game last week, and it was really cool. You know, I grew up in Philadelphia, well, outside Philadelphia. And everyone says how Philadelphia sports fans are such, you know, lunatics and idiots. But I went to a businessman special, and I'm going to tell you something. It was the most subdued crowd, and it was great. And I went with a friend of mine, and this is just weird. I've known him since first grade, and I'm 48. And so that's a long time to know someone. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I know him longer than people I know out here are that age. But so anytime you hear this, they bitch about Philadelphia sports fans. You know, it's not true. I didn't see any fights. I mean, the only thing is they did hit a home run and everyone coaxed the guy into throwing a baseball back on the field. Me personally, I would not want to do that. I mean, I know that people yell at you, but it's like, I've never caught a ball at a game. I got a, I got a hockey puck at a Kings game once, but it was because my buddy had seats like three rows from the ice, and he knew the usher, and I'm like, come on, get me a puck. But I would be pissed if people were yelling at me to throw the ball back. It's not the playoffs. We're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's like game 18 of the season, and I have to throw the ball back because a bunch, if not, a bunch of hoodlums are going to get mad at me. It, it irritates me, but enough about me. Let's talk about our guest. Uh, she's a very funny lady. Actually, yeah, I don't want to say that. She's a very funny comic, and, and the reason I say that is because well, she's a funny lady, but I've all, I'm, and you people know listening to the show, I'm one of those people that I don't believe in I don't believe in Putting segments of comedy, you know, because you know, there's very funny ladies, there's very funny guys, there's very unfunny guys, there's very unfunny ladies. Comics are comics, and that's the whole thing. That's why sometimes I hate the whole comedy scene where they go this night, this night, this night. No comedy. Me and Dwayne were just talking about that. Comedy is universal. I mean, it must be for you because you're an attractive woman and you're Latina, so you must get pigeonholed a lot, and you must hate it. Yeah, no, I can't stand it. I I was actually just talking to Rich Voss about this because we were working together in Vegas. And uh, it's it's so sad that women get treated differently. And especially if you're good looking, it's even worse. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny. And you get pictures on but and you're Latina. So that's yeah. right then. Uh, that must also put you in a, I mean. Yeah, one, so you I'm going to do every Cinco de Mayo gig. Like, hey, how about that? Well, the one good thing is you can get stage time at those shows. But yes. I think when you, but I think what happens is when people do those kinds of shows, a lot of times the crowd expects you to do a certain kind of material. And if right. you don't do that kind of material, they're like, oh, well, wait a second. Yeah. Wait, why isn't she being a chola? Why isn't that? And it, yeah. must, it must piss you off. It's like, uh, artist it is uh i i do only about five minutes of material about being latina and and that's my peak that's about what what i want to do and what feels real to me and then outside of that i've had club owners say you got to talk like your mom you gotta you gotta do this you gotta dress a different way you gotta wear more ma-. i'm like no i'm gonna be me and this is my parents were born in peru but i was actually born here right so although i speak Spanish, I understand it pretty well. I, I'm still very American now. Yeah, that's funny. And I, I know, cl- and, and that's completely, club owners would never do that to a guy. Like a club owner wouldn't come up to yeah. me and say, you know, hey, you got to dress like uh, Larry David. Yeah, you got to dress like, you know, on. just look like a, you know, a bald Jew. Just dress like a how bald, that guys don't say that. And I'm not even Jewish, but they'd be like, act more Jew. And I'm like, no. Yeah. But for you, it must be, it must be, and it must piss you off at times. It totally, it sucks. That's the part. I, but there's a there's another side though because because I'm a woman and because I'm you know somewhat attractive I do get gigs over guys okay. that are probably have been in the industry for a longer amount of time that are really strong comics and or other women because they're like oh we need a hot chick right and then the problem is when I get on the stage I have to work so much harder to prove myself and actually keep the gig right so. Um, like uh, I just did a show where I had to go on. There was five comics going on stage as a Latino show, and I got put on after the intermission. 
the only woman on the show got the crappiest spot and i was like really you're gonna because i'm a like i get that spot i get that you're gonna give everybody a 20 minute intermission then try and start a comedy show again i don't i don't i've never gotten that whole concept of an intermission uh, it's not a play and the thing not, is even like plays like i mean I took my girlfriend to see Wicked, and the first act mm. was just too damn long. I was like, I thought the intermission, <laughs> I thought it was over, you know? Right. And I'm like, I can see an intermission, because you have to get up. You know, it's an hour right. and a half, but it's a story, and you have an hour and a half more, like Book of Mormon. You want to take an intermission, because the last right. one to come back. But for comedy, it's so stupid. It's like, okay, ha, 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 stop. Yes. Everyone go out, go to the bathroom, drink, <laughs> do this, go, right. come back in and laugh. I mean, it yes. just makes no sense. Oh, it was so hard. I, I hate, comedy shows shouldn't be passed about an hour and a half. Right, they, they say that, the, they actually say the human mind is not trained, but programmed to laugh 99 minutes. And that's why it used to be the old format used to be, MC does 15, feature right. does 30, I mean, and Headliner does 45, right. and you have time in between, so it came out like 90, 95 minutes. Right, and it works perfect that right. way. When you try to do a two-and-a-half-hour show, which is what we did, and then why don't you put the girl in the middle, and uh, let's have her warm everything up. Right. <laughs> so now, yeah. you said your parents were from Peru, but you, know, you grew up in Chicago, or you just lived there for yes, a little bit? Yes, I was born in Chicago, um, grew up there about the first five years, and then moved out to the northwest suburbs. Okay, so uh, how did your parents, I always wondered, like, how do your parents pick Chicago? Like my my mom, my parents' grandparents. One was through LSI, and my mom's oh. from uh, Austria and Yugoslavia. But now my mom is eighty five, so this is years ago. But back then, people picked Philadelphia or New York because right. that's where the Europeans would come. Right. But it seems how did uh, a Peruvian family? Because I have friends who are Peruvian out here. How did how did they pick Chicago? Because first of all, it's so damn cold. It is cold. I I don't know why my family. I, I think the city. Just the name, that was one thing. And then my dad had a sister okay. that lived here that owned a restaurant in Chicago. And uh, it was a pretty successful restaurant, Peruvian restaurant. And so he thought, oh, maybe I can start there and start with her. That was the that was the catalyst. But I've always wanted to go to warmer weather. Right. I so know what now, my parents were thinking. Now, where in the Northwest? Uh, Northwest suburbs were um, Barrington, Schaumburg, okay, so Dundee. So That's how, where I grew up. How long did you live out there? Um, oh, over 20 years. Okay, so was, was comedy prevalent in your household? I mean, how did you, you know, decide to get into comedy? I mean, what, were, <laughs> did you grow up with, because some people say our parents were funny, or yeah. some people well, say like they had an older brother or sister who would listen, yeah. have listen to it. Now, I, um, I started, it was completely on my own. Uh, my, I have three brothers who used to beat the crap out of me, and so I had to be really quick-witted. Okay. You know, I was really just the biggest smartass, and that's the only thing. I couldn't. My brothers were huge, you know, so I couldn't do anything physically to them, but I would just mouth off. And uh, when I was about nine, I saw Bill Cosby himself on a VHS, and I just, I loved it. I just fell in love with it. I didn't know you could do it for a living. I'm like, oh, maybe some people, maybe a handful, but um, I, I had kind of a rougher upbringing. And so when it was... When my whole family would be just sitting around the TV and everybody was laughing and no one was fighting and no one was crying or yelling at each other, I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Look at this. Look what this comedian's doing. He's like making peace in my house for a whole hour or two. No one's like sad or upset or right. fighting. And, and so I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to do that for other people. I just, I didn't start till much later because I had a kid pretty young and um 
I was too scared. I did improv for like six years in Chicago, and I trained there because you can still be funny, but you're not writing the material. You're you don't you're not the responsible one for the stage. You know the whole stage time. If you can't think of something, someone else takes the light. You it's know, no big deal. It's funny you say that because after I mean I did comedy, then I got out of it for a long time, but then I had a, st- a sketch comedy group that we ran for a year in Hollywood, yeah. and I wrote a lot of the show, but I was just like. It was so much easier because you go from, you know, if you have to do 45 minutes and they hate you, you're going, oh, my God. But when you do yes. a sketch show, it's like, okay, no one's laughed at the sketch. It's three minutes. It's not me. It's yeah. the other guys. And then at three minutes, you, just bail. you, you start again. Yeah. So, so how did you decide to get into improv? Was it just something that you, I mean. It was the closest thing to stand up. Okay. And plus with the Chicago being right there, it's Second City was famous so that I started studying there. And then uh, I went on to comedy sports. Now, did you enjoy the improv and stuff like that? Oh, I love it. And it has helped my stand-up tremendously. Because if I, my wit is right there. So if something happens in the audience or I'm talking to somebody, the the banter is really quick for me. So that that has really helped my stand-up. So I'm actually glad that I went that route first as a basis. And then it gave me some stage presence and I could really project because they don't use microphones. So I really knew to be loud to the back of the room and move around and be big. And um, and then it's a whole other animal with stand-up now. So when did you decide? I mean, was there, was there a breaking point where you said, you know what, I've always wanted to do stand-up? I mean, yeah. is there a little click in your head? Do you there, remember this? Or, or? Yes, it okay. was huge, actually. Um, I was in a really bad relationship that ended. And um, I got really sick after that. And uh, I got so sick that I almost died. I was in ICU. What was wrong with you? Um, I had a rare inflammatory lung disease okay. that uh, they thought was incurable. And it turned out that I was actually misdiagnosed. And so they couldn't treat it until they knew what it was. And they didn't think they knew what it was. And it wasn't until they did a biopsy when I was literally given three months to live. Wow. And uh, I was in my upper 20s. And I hear I had a seven-year-old kid who had no dad so I was like how what am I gonna literally the doctor was like you have to write out a will and you know get your things in order that must be, I mean you know it's so funny that you can't yeah you know we try to you try to comprehend that and we can't I mean I, I have I was diagnosed over a little less than a year ago with congestive heart failure oh, but, but what gosh. I do is so I just watch my sodium and, and the good things came out I'm writing a low sodium humorous cookbook right. so all, everything works out and I stopped smoking and I stopped drinking caffeine and I stopped eating junk food it and I never felt up. better and that's the thing and that woke me up but I remember when they said I had to go on medication for my part I was like oh my god when they say when you're writing uh, I mean how do you I mean how do you react I mean how did well, you I was what in, do you I do? was in shock I was just like okay well I have no choice so I have to do what I can to set up my son, figure out who's going to raise him. And, you know, it, it just, it was so shocking. But at the same time, at that point, I was so weak and fine. I like, I weighed probably a hundred pounds. I was in ICU and I was connected to all these tubes. I couldn't breathe right. And so at that point I was just kind of like waiting to die. And okay. then they're like, Oh, Hey, guess what? Your biopsy came back and we have a treatment for this. So, um, let's just get you on medication. <laughs> oh man. And, and so when you're that close to death where you literally know that you're dying, you're saying goodbye to people. Right. It, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna do everything I ever wanted to do everything. And so I was like, I'm going to be a stand up comedian. I'm going to move to California. And so my fear was always, what if I can't think of something or what if I'm not funny on stage? And it changed to my fear of being, what if I never try it? I was okay. given a second chance. Who 
cares if I die on stage because I didn't die in real life. Exactly. And that's so a, that, who gives a crap if they don't laugh? I was like so much more confident because I'm like, hey, I don't care. I'm walking off the stage. Look, one foot in front of the other. I was supposed to be in a grave right now. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't care. And I think that happens a lot. Like, and yeah. I, I used to always say that with like young comics. Like in Philly, we had this kid named Ronnie Long who started doing comedy when he was 16. And a lot of us were doing comedy and a lot of us were making that change where it was becoming our full-time job. And you, you had that a fear just that okay I, I can't like go this route because I don't want to lose this booking because right. you know this guy has five clubs and I don't lose that yeah. money and with the younger kids they have they had no fear and for you it must have come across in your act because you didn't give a crap I mean yeah. that's for me when I've gotten back and do it I don't care if I don't yeah. get the laughs I do the radio I do this you know and it's just it's but for me I've never had more fun doing it it's so freeing when you when you really don't care about the judgment because you're going to be judged regardless right and and you hope that you are vulnerable enough to bond and really show them who you are, that you're not trying to just take from them, that you actually want to give to them, you know? And um, that's when it became not all about the approval, but just living my dream, just just being able to give back to people and make them laugh. And um, it was really healing for me as well, like confidence-wise. Where was the first time you ever did comedy at? When you did your stand-up? And did you already prepare an act, or did you... Because you already knew. You went through this. Yeah. You were almost dead. And yeah, so you're yeah. like, I'm going to do this. And there's probably a few things. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so it must have been like, you probably like, do I write about my near-death experience? Yeah. Or, I mean, actually, I, um, I, I'm a perfectionist, so I try to do everything by the book. So I actually went and bought a ton of comedy writing books. So I started writing. And then I was like, what's going to make me get on stage right away? I took a class. And, um, now, were chain, you here or in Chicago? I was in Chicago. Okay. So the chain out there is Zany's. Um, that was the biggest at the time. And so I started at Zany's. There was a, a class, and I think it was six or eight weeks. And at the end, you graduate, you do your five minutes. And and I loved it. I was like, this would be a good compass to see if I even like it. Maybe okay. I just want to stick with improv. And I loved it. And um I'll never look at that tape again because <laughs> I'm sure it was horrible. But just getting up there and having the balls to like get through five minutes. Isn't it weird? And it happened to me. I took a class uh, with, do you know uh, Tracy Skeen and Brian McKinnon? Yes, yes. Well, Tracy, yeah. was, my, Tracy was my comedy teacher yeah, back in Philly. Great. And I took a learning annex class. It was a learning annex. And it was the same thing. And when I went up there, I found in my drawer, because I hoard stuff, a bunch of my old tapes. <laughs> but thank God I don't have a VCR anymore. Because yeah. I'm thinking, and I remember exactly, the funny thing is I remember exactly what I wore. I was wearing yeah. like a wife beater t-shirt with a black blazer, because that was the 80s look. And <laughs> nice. I had hair then, so I had like hair. And I would, I, my catchphrase was, it happens. And I would tell yeah. a joke. And Tracy always liked my act, because I said, you write really well. But I look at it now, I'd be like, oh my God, I think, I'm like, yeah. it's so deadpan. But you think back, it was such uh-huh. a, that was such a big accomplishment. And don't you go through the phases of um, trying to be another comedian that you liked? Oh, all in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> my thing was Dennis Miller was really. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, let's get a thesaurus and, right. get, and get tons of cool references. <laughs> yeah. And there was no internet because back now it's like internet. You can just go, okay, what sounds like, you know, let's say Dennis go yeah. Twyla. Let's say Twyla Tharp. You go, well, who's Twyla Tharp? And you can say, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll do this joke. Who were some of the people that you, when you started, you were trying to. Margaret pot- Smith was one of the first ones. And you know how she she's was so, so big. She's so deadpan. Right. When when I started, she was huge. And she I was just like a female loved, Stephen Wright. Was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just her one-liners were beautiful. I mean, just I saw her live and I was like, oh, that's it. I want to be her. I tried it one night. I tanked so hard. And then my, my friend's like, what are you? Why are you changing your pace? Why are you changing how slow you talk? And I was like, what? That's not funny. 
Right. I just thought, to me, that's funny. That's the definition of funny. And I just, I couldn't sell it. It wasn't me. And, and so I just stopped doing it. But it, one night, I had... I hit it so hard. It was just like not one laugh because they're just like, who are you? What is this, some act that you're trying to be someone else? Well, you think, it's funny, you think about acts like her and acts like Stephen Wright and acts like Emo Phillips. Yeah. Just the hell they went through it open mics. I mean, of course, they got the cult following, but you think it was so different and it's like no one wanted to, I mean, people used to, hey, hey, you know, especially the blazers rolled up, you know, you know the whole look, and then all yeah, of a sudden, yeah. this Steve, you know, whatever, and it, it was just amazing that the, the courage they had, because yeah. they must have died so many times, and, and but they, I think they all knew they were funny, because I see a lot of acts die who aren't funny, right? and I sit there and go, why are you even doing this? Yeah. But it's like, with them, even like they say Larry David, like, if, if he didn't think that Mark Alano was on, who was the improv owner, and he said, mm-hmm. if Larry David thought the crowd was bad, he wouldn't go on stage. Like, they always knew, that's how <laughs> you would get a spot. If Larry David was going to go on, Go go to the club and hang out because there's a good chance that he would go. I don't don't, 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 want to go to the crowd. So now you're in Chicago and now you're starting to perform a lot now, or you just you did the yeah. There was a bunch of open mics uh, downtown, and actually the comedy crew down there was so supportive. So it was great. I would go down. Well, keep in mind I was a single mom, so I'd try to do it three times a week, which for me was a lot because I'd have to get babysitters and I had a real job. And you're not getting paid, so you got to pay for the babysitter, plus you got to drive to the club and schlep down. You never know when you're going to go on. Yeah, so I got a lot of MC work initially, and then I got really lucky. Um, Two years in, I got the first season of Last Comic, and then that's when I moved out here. So you got Last Comic. Now, did you go through the audition process or did the manager recommend you? I did. I was... um, I was performing in Wisconsin and someone called me and said, hey, there's this audition. You should come down and I'm going to recommend you. I don't even, it's a club owner or something. And I was like, oh, okay. It turned out to be like a, I don't know, six hour wait in the freezing cold in winter in Chicago. So by the time I got in there, I didn't care. And I think that's why I got it is because I just kind of had an an attitude (laughs) and um, I got picked and I was way too green for that show I mean it's good you say that because it's so funny because so many people sit there and and I think now it's more well we all did it but they all think they're much beyond what they are and you know it's people it's like I always laugh you know when I saw Last Comic Standing when Rich Voss didn't win and when Todd Glass didn't win and there were guys who were doing it for all that time they were national headliners I mean I remember working with Rich and Rich was I remember working at a hell gig with him in Reading and he was so I haven't seen him lately, but he was so filthy, and he had like the the total Jerry curl, like the, the real Jew fro, and he <laughs> yeah. had the thick. He was like a Jewish Guido, yeah. And and I was sitting there watching this and going, "How the hell can these guys not win? This guy's been headlining. I mean, and Todd, Todd's been doing. I mean, Todd yeah. started in Philadelphia at Hilarious. sixteen, and he's been doing comedy over thirty years, right? And you can tell. And right. I mean, this he was in like, and I'm like, he loses to. It doesn't make you sense. Put, you put these comedians in these unreal expectations and then judge them against each other. It's it's such a hard business. But then we do it because we need that TV exposure to get paid a little bit more when right. we go out. And it just bumps you from a feature to headliner immediately. Your act has not changed a bit. It's just that people recognize you. And that's the sad truth. I wish there was a show where you could just showcase like 10 comics and then rotate another 10 out and just we're not competing here's just what's out there and these are great comedians so on that 
because I did the show and I was on, I don't know, three or four episodes. Did you uh, win? I didn't make it into the house, thank okay. God, because I wasn't ready. I just, now I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even believe that I beat out hundreds of comics right. to be on the show. And of course, it was a casting thing. Oh, here's Lisa Alvarado. She's a single mom. You know, she's Latina. She's going to fill that niche. And then um, I learned really quickly about the business and how it works and I knew um, going into it uh, I learned basically that they wanted to have my son on on TV and I said no and then Which is I, good and then I didn't get the house okay so I I didn't really realize at that time I was so new to the business that I didn't know how it worked and when you tell NBC and <laughs> a big network no um, they just kind of cut you pretty quick. Well, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just for me, it's like, and I'm one of these people, you know, I used to hate when Kathy Lee Gifford would talk about Cody, and that's all oh. you hear. And that's why I can't stand Jillian Barbary because it's, oh, well, either she's dropping a name or my kid, my kid. And it's like, okay, you know, we don't want to hear about your kid. Right. And that's for you. I mean, it's like, it, that's a lot to ask a kid to be on TV and with yeah. a bunch of comics. It's just not and it's safe. Just, it's not, and it's not, I mean, for me, it's not cool. I, would, I wouldn't want to watch a show, like my girlfriend loves The Amazing Race and Survivor. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see that if they brought their kids along. Right. It's like, it's not, it's not right. Yeah. It was like, they wanted to play me as kind of the underdog sort of role. And I was like, look, you can put me all over TV. I am not putting my son's face right. on TV. He's only 10. I'm not going to... It's just... It's too dangerous. And they're like, oh, okay, no, we totally understand. And they picked another comic. So, but you were on there and you were on a few episodes. So you did people did people start recognizing you at all? Because it, oh, was, yeah. it, was, it was such a, a, a big, viewed show. Right. It was, it was huge for me. I, you know, immediately basically moved out to L.A. Now, had you been to L.A. before? Yes. <clears throat> I, had, I had come here a couple times to check it out. I just... When you're a single parent and you don't know how you're going to make your income, it it was a really hard move for me. So I was saving up money so that I had a cushion to come out here and make sure that I could do things right with my son. And so it took me a little longer than I wanted. But once I got that, I was already booking feature spots and then, <clears throat> excuse me, making more money. And, um, and then it was crazy. I had meeting after meeting. I had managers, the biggest managers approaching me. Not because they knew who I was or not because my act was amazing, but because I was this young Latina comic coming up and now I'm on a TV show. Okay. So um, I had I learned the hard way. I burned a lot of bridges. <laughs> now, how did you burn the bridges? <laughs> I burned bridges because I said no to a lot of those people. And was there a reason why you said no? I mean, when you look back, I, was it? I did um, because I didn't, like, I'm a Midwest girl and I'm really down to earth and so if I felt like they were lying to me or using me or just not good people, I said no. And I had a really big manager who I didn't know at the time booked festivals and all this stuff come and be like, look, this is what I can do for you. And sh this person lied to my face and I caught them in a lie and they blamed it on their secretary. And I was like, that's just not someone I want to work with. Right. That's just, if, if that's your moral compass and you can't just be honest with me, I, I don't want to work with you. And then so that ruined part of my career and in getting into some festivals for a while. And I had to like really repair some of those relationships. And some of them I don't care about now because, you know, longevity, I'm fine with who I am. And so, yeah, it's really, you don't know when you're just new and you're 
you're like all these people are throwing money at you and and contracts and you're like oh man i'm the best right <laughs> well, it's so funny about the bookers and the agents and, and stuff like that because you know i think about all the uh the, the guys who were like the booker the guys who own clubs and stuff in the philadelphia area yeah. back in the day they're all gone now the guy right. who booked rascals hey rascals is gone goodbye right. downtown the comedy works oh the guy's like driving limos now i went to a reunion of philadelphia comics because my friend big daddy graham yeah. um, i call into his radio show once a week great and uh, I went, and I'm like, the one guy was like, oh, I used to own uh, Going Bananas. Oh, yeah, he's now, he's uh, owns a bar. Like, right. What if I'm to this guy? Oh, I heard he's riding limos. But yeah, they, he's they, giving they were, pedicures now. They, they were on such a power trip back then, especially right. in the mid, like the late 80s, early 90s, because it was, everyone was coming to comedy. So these guys were like, we are gods, and they would tell you how to do oh, their act. Gosh, when they yeah. would go on stage, and they would suck. And it must be, and it must be harder for a woman, yeah. because, and you're Midwest, and you have yeah. a kid you have to worry about. So you have all these people sitting there, and just like, hey. And oh, and then on top that. of it, they're trying to sleep with you, these bookers. Yeah, okay. It's just, I remember one of one of the clubs that I, I worked, one of my home clubs, the, the owner, I, I was so nervous. I got my six minutes together. I'm just, I'm just going up to um, audition to, to open for people, not even like a feature spot. I'm just like, oh, I was so nervous. And I worked on my set. I did it. I did well. And um, I get off stage and he, of course, brings me into his office because he can't talk to me in front of other comics, shuts the door. I'm already uncomfortable. And then he goes, well, I got good news and I got bad news. I was like, okay. And he says, uh, the good news is you did well. The bad news is I don't date. Um, I don't book comedians that I date. And I'm like, perfect. So I'm on. Right. <laughs> I was like, you dick. Are you? Did you just say that to me? God. And and that is the norm. I mean, guys wanting to pay me last after the headliner. They paid the headliners gone. Everybody else is gone, and them keeping me behind and keeping me in their office before they pay me. And I can tell you so many stories of on the road and what comics. Tell me, tell, tell me one. Tell, tell, I want to hear a good. Let me, let me, <laughs> no, because that's what I think my listeners love. I love the stories. <laughs> tell me a really good story. And the funny thing is, anywhere else in any other business, that would be sexual yeah. harassment. Yeah. you could have owned those comedy clubs. Oh, but there's like, gosh. just tell me one good story about someone hitting you that just creeped you out. Um, well, comic wise, or yeah, comic wise, because <laughs> you know it's so funny. Comics. I used to work with comics, and, and you know, and I'm one of these guys. When I was in high school and yeah. college, I'll be honest, I was a whore. But when I was <laughs> married, and when I have my like my girlfriend now, I would never cheat on her. And I, I'm not people, I don't cheat. It's not my. It's not my constitution. Well, good for you. But what, what cracks me up is I would work with these comics, and they take your wedding ring out, and they'd yeah. be sitting there. And I'm like, dude, people know we by, by the pool, the comedy condo. It's like or wherever the hotel and it's like dude they know you're married because you have a tan line right there right and you should discuss me as a female you must have gone through so much crap oh my gosh i can't even tell you one of the the first road gigs i did that that and i will not name these comedians because a couple of them are actually friends of mine now um the the headliner I was featuring for him. That had, it was my first time doing like gig after gig after. It was there were crappy gigs, one nighters, and he literally pulled his pants down and he was naked in the car and we were carpooling. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Just look at it. Just just look at it." And I was like, "I can't. Will you please pull your pants up? I can't believe you're doing this to me right now." And he's like, "Just look at it. Let's just pull over. Let's just do something." I'm like. No, That's, absolutely not. I mean, there's just. But I'm a headliner. I know. <laughs> I'm making fifty bucks more than you this week. Um, yeah, it was 
terrible. So you go through all that, and then I mean, of course, that hardens you up as an act. I mean, because I mean, you're oh going. And, and the funny thing is, when you were doing it, and it's like it's because when you started out, there wasn't nearly as many female acts, especially on the road. It wasn't like in Philly, as I always say, there was like four female acts. You know, it was like Chris right. Rich, who's still around, a very funny lady, and Tracy. Mm-hmm. You know, and but Tracy and Brian had already started to go on the road, and but there wasn't a lot of female acts, and so guys right then thought, oh, this is the uh, we can just hit on them. You know, and if, yeah. yeah, it was all, it must have been, I mean, but it builds your, it has to build your skin up. Well, because I grew up with brothers and I hung out with all of their friends, which were a bunch of guys, I was kind of used to just being a smart ass and it didn't make me uncomfortable to be in a man's world. Um, and I would just let them know up front, look, nothing's going to happen. So you can try and try, or you can just sleep with an audience member. Why don't you just go for the right. gold? Okay. Cause that's a guarantee. You're not going to get it here. Right. And so once you really just tell them no, then they kind of just leave you alone. Right. So, so you're, okay. So we're going to go back to after you burnt some bridges when you were going through this stuff. So, right. you, but you're still new in the business. You've only been doing it for like a few years. And yeah. so you, you actually, you made leaps and bounds, which probably a lot of comics were pissed at you. <laughs> oh yeah. Which is so funny because so many comics, like I'm glad when I see them. I love it. Like when I was, when I was back East last week, you know, my girlfriend loves TV, so we hang out, we watch the TV. And there's so many shows like Happy Endings and Psych and, and Mad Men that mm-hmm. there's been people that have been my guests on the show. And I love that. I love awesome. it. if I see somebody new in a commercial, I'm like, Me this too. is awesome. I'm like, yeah. it's so cool. This guy, you know, you know, works his ass off and it's it's so great. Or if it's like one of my buddies friends uh one of my friend's wife oh this is great she's on exactly but, so, but somebody you must have got a lot of resentment from comics because you were so new in the business right and people talk crap all the time yeah but i didn't get as much resentment as dat fan <laughs> well i knew dat i knew dat <laughs> in San, yeah in and not, i'm not saying he's bad or anything like that it's just that he actually won right and won above ralphie may and didn't have a half hour you know right. so i was like okay at least i didn't get that big so I kind of burned some bridges, did a little TV. Now I'm getting booked, and now I'm getting better. Now, what was some of the other TV you did? Um, I did a show called Funniest Moms okay. in America. Now, what was like that like? Was that was it? Did they did you have to audition, or what was the whole process? Yeah, it was it was an audition. I was called in, and I don't know, hundreds of moms uh, went up for this, and and I got. I think they called in ten, and uh, that's where I met Paula Bell. That's where I met. Uh, a lot of the comics that I, I'm actually decent friends with now, really strong comics. And again, it was like a, it was like a last comic standing where you would compete. And um, it was tough, though, because we had to be away from our kids, and they put us up in New York. Okay. So it was several weeks of taping. And uh, we did a lot of joke writing and performing in front of audiences and improv and just dumb games and then um the losing the losing team would have to go up for elimination and so they had to do stand-up and i was a pretty decent writer so i never really got on the losing team okay because i would write the jokes for my team and then we would go up and do really well and then we'd win so we won every competition all right till the end of the show and i was like bummed that i didn't get to go up and then uh i ended up getting uh, first runner up okay at the last now, did that change your career at all it did. It got me a lot more work. Um, it's a great tape to submit. It's a clean set, which is nice. And then uh, I, I just met some great celebrities that I still kind of keep in touch with now. And they're just really encouraging and stuff. And so that helped, again, because that was at least six episodes. Okay. So when you're on it and then they air it, uh, Nick at Night is great about airing the crap out of it oh yeah so after that they're gonna air it another year and then another year so then people that are tuning in they're going oh 
I didn't even know about this girl. I'm like, oh, that show was on two years ago. Right, it's so funny. Well, that's Comedy Central. You see some of these <laughs> yeah. Comedy Central presents. I saw Joe Matarisa's on. I, he did that yeah. years ago. I'm like, yeah. I, I wanted to send him a message. I wanted to text him. Go, hey, Joe, you're on TV again. And, but, yeah. but the problem is, so many of the acts get pissed off. It's like, yeah, I'm not getting paid for it. So they always yeah. get irritated that way. <laughs> exactly. They do replay it. So now, were you getting recognized by people? And, and what, did that freak you out a little bit? Or I did, especially right after it aired. I got just a lot more phone calls and people crawling out of the work, woodwork from high school. And like when I went back to my high school reunion and all that stuff, I was like a celebrity because. You know, for Chicago, I was big, but for right. here, I'm nobody. And uh, it w- it was crazy. It was like, wow, all these people now, all of a sudden, want to be my friend, or or they're reminding me of old times, or these guys are asking me out. What's their agenda? It's so funny you, you say that because even like me, when you know, when I went, to, I went to my 30 reunion uh, a while ago, and I was, you know, I, I was. No, my name was no doing comedy in the Philly area. Then I got out of business. Then because people see on Facebook, oh, the radio, they see my guests and stuff like right. that. And it was amazing that the same thing. People were like, oh my god, Coop, you know, we knew you this. But for me, I grew up in a very Jewish town. And I was like the minority because <laughs> I was the goy, <laughs> and I wish I was Jewish. I would have made all that money off the bar mitzvah. <laughs> but for them, I mean, these guys are like, they're all lawyers, doctors. They're all loaded. And I'm right. like, yeah, I live in a townhouse in Burbank. You guys live in a mansion in here. And it's just so funny how people people always want that like that that. Celebrityism. They, it's yeah. like they sit there and they go, "Wow, you must have the best life." And it's like, no, you have you have kids. You have a <laughs> I have beautiful to hustle. House. I'm barely paying my bills. <laughs> you know, and it's so funny that people just have that perception yeah. that if you're on TV, if you do this, everyone, you're rich. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, they're rich." Yeah, yeah. Why don't you buy drinks? Why exactly. don't you pay for the food? Yeah, uh, no, my my own family's like that. I'm like, Wait, you guys need to see my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you started getting more work. Now, what clubs are you starting to play? Then were you, were you traveling a lot? And how did that work? With did you take your son with you or? How did that work? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I I was playing a lot more of the top clubs. And um, again, though, I was fighting that female stigma of uh, she's not, you know, that you have to be doing it this many years to headline in front of a guy, you know, like be the headliner. And uh, I'm still fighting that today. Um, And but the other thing, it was it was tough to travel with my son. So I started to try and do more TV and. Um, I've always done some modeling, so that helped bring in some money and keep me in town. And then I started doing more corporates because I can be pretty clean, and um, that helped a lot. And now I'm doing like a Sarah Palin uh, impersonation, which is really fun. So I I get a little more political now. Um, But my son finally is at the age where he just got accepted into a college, so he's going to go away. So I'm like, all right, Right, yeah, I can can go everywhere. I can do whatever I want now. Now, the corporate thing, because I know a lot of... of people have been on the show do corporate and corporate's very lucrative mm-hmm. and how did you go about getting the corporate and who were some of the companies you'd work for the f- i have a pretty um great website so a lot of people they just google you know latina okay comedian and i'm like one of the top five all right and you can see that i have tv credits and some clean comedy up there that got me a lot of work and then i got a few bookers well what kind of companies were they looking for a latina actor were they yeah. latino were they latino and a lot companies of them are, or? are moms uh no it's like nestle hired me because they came out with a, a brand of cookies or something like that but they were gearing it toward moms and so they were researching moms so they wanted a mom comic so it's like five grand do can you do 20 minutes clean i was like yeah right and it's down the street from me i don't even have to fly anywhere it's i'm like Glendale. yes and then so you get a recommendation from that company and then you go and you post it on your site or whatever and then and then you you 
mail it out to bookers and you're like, this is what I just did. Get me more work like that. And then they pitch you as, like for me, it's the Latina. So every company has to have ethnic diversity right. days and events. And that's where I can capitalize because I do my five minutes about being Latina. And then outside of that, I just regular material. Now, you enjoy doing the corporate? Because, I mean, I've, I've talked to some people where it's so different. I did I did my my girlfriend's work party this year. Right. And it was, you know, it was paid great. But it was, first of all, I was nervous because it's in front of, you know, <laughs> and that's where he got back in touch because they had my tape from last year. So they knew I was funny, but I was nervous because it's like, well, if I, I'm her date too. So if I oh. suck, <laughs> I suck, they're going to be like, oh, Christ, this guy's hanging out. you know. And I was, I never get nervous. I was crap myself. But right. I went up and there was no light. And it's a, there's like, 50 yeah. people and it's laid out weird and it's like a Mr. Microphone right. no mic stand I mean how do you adapt to that it's it's a hard business but when I'm up on stage just like a really crappy college gig I'm like paycheck 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 that's what I'm saying to myself through my whole set paycheck paycheck you know you're getting this many thousand for this gig um, I've done a couple that were nightmares paid amazing but they were they don't know how to set up comedy. Right. So now I'm just really specific in my contract about, you know, you can't be serving dinner while I'm on stage. No clinking of glasses. There's no intermission. Um, I have to have this sort of an intro. This is my lighting and I need a chair on the stage with a water bottle. And it sounds very diva-ish, but it's just stuff that sets us up for success. And I always say, you got to have me at this point in the show. I'm not going to close it. Because a lot of these corporate events go on for three or four hours. They're eating dinner. They're giving awards out. and They're getting tired. Yeah. And they're and getting they're, drunk. They're so done. They don't want to hear comedy at the right. end. They want to go to the bar. They're done. They want to party. And, and so I've done corporate events where I made the mistake of not saying that up front or having it in my contract. And you eat it for 30 minutes at the end you're like it's painful it's like pulling their teeth you have to sit in that chair because your boss is right next to you and pretend to laugh right you know and i can't use any swear words and i can't be edgy because your company can't have that so here's some jokes about my kids homework how do you do with colleges because you are a mother and i you yeah. know i and and it's so funny like for me i mean Maybe it's just me, but when we, I think when we were in college, we were a lot hipper. I don't know what it is. We weren't, yeah. we weren't I hate to use the word pussies, but it's like <laughs> now it's like, I mean, you, you could say anything, you know, and now it's like everything, you, it's like you're treading on eggs mouse because there's always one idiot who will bitch. It's like I always crack up. I used to go to San Diego State Aztec Games, uh -huh. and Monty Montezuma was a great mascot, entertaining. A group of 10 Latina students complained, so they got rid of him. It's like, it's 10 people. Yeah. This guy, and an Aztec is a, it's a tribute. Right. And so now it's like everyone's, they're just pussies. I mean, yeah. and for you, I mean, is it hard for you? Plus, because you're a mom, do they relate to that? Yeah, well, that's in every audience. I, I feel like everybody, there's one person that's like, really? You're going to make fun of single moms? I'm like, I am one. Right. Like, really? Are you going to come to a comedy club and make fun of what the comic's talking about? Get out. So, yeah, um, colleges can be more strict, but that's where I tend to do a lot more audience work and actually talk to them okay. and, and get to know them because they don't want to hear about me raising a kid that's their age. That's not sexy to them. They want to hear about Facebook and right. dating and the internet. And so I do a lot of my dating material, but I just kind of um, bring it to like a, <laughs> include more Facebook in it and stuff like that and online stuff when I talk to them.
So you said about the Sarah Palin. How did you get into that whole thing? I mean, it's it's because you're now what explain <laughs> it. See, I'm, I'm, your website is very good. And Thanks. people, it's Lisa Alvarado. It's L-I-S-A-A-L-V-A-R-A-D-O.com. Go check it out. It's got some uh, good snapshots. they got little videos. It's got her bio, updates, calendar. Thank and you. it's a screening. It's a, it's a flowing thing. So what is exactly is Sarah Palin Unplugged? Well, uh, Sarah Palin Unplugged is basically, I started doing it during my stand-up, and it just kind of took off. But the crazy, I was doing it during the elections, uh, this past elections, um, but I've been fighting that for since Tina Fey started doing it, because um, everybody's like, oh, you look like Tina Fey. Oh, you look like Sarah Palin. And I was like, I'd flip them off. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. That's not a compliment to me. I work out. Like, right. I'm smart. <laughs> not that Palin. Tina Fey's not. Sarah I mean, Palin's such an idiot. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm like, that's not a compliment. You know, I, I, she did that one Republican convention recently, and she goes up making fun of Bloomberg, who's a Republican of the biggest city in the country. And she's like, oh, and right. then she's making fun of Obama, comparing Obama yeah. to Ivan Boski. And it's like, do you know what a stupid idiot you look like? And, yeah. and the worst thing is, you're setting intelligent women back ages because exactly. people sit there and go oh politician well women you know all of a sudden oh well wait, she's gonna run for president and I was right. like I'm not gonna vote for an idiot and then other women are going well I'm getting stuck in the all <laughs> I mean and she's just such an ass yeah so, so you how'd you start doing the, the character what, what, what I, was your revelation to do it I just um everybody's like well you just try it just just try it maybe you can be the Latina version of Sarah Palin because I and the other thing when Tina Fey did it she's so great at it right. but I was like there's no way I can top her and then a friend a, a comedian friend of mine's like why are you trying to top anybody your version will be your version right. and you're not going to be Tina Fey when you do it and I go oh yeah I don't have to be her I have to just be me and be original and have my own jokes and my own perspective on it so it's like oh perfect so then I, I didn't wasn't intimidated anymore and I started writing jokes for her and it was it's just been so fun because now when I go up on stage, I'll do it maybe in the middle of my set and I won't tell the audience who I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell, you know, I'm just going to do this impersonation. You guys can guess who it is. I turn around, I put my hair up, I put glasses on, I put a suit jacket on and I, as soon as I turn around, almost every time I get an applause break because they're like, oh my gosh, does she look like her? And then, um, and then, you know, I open up with her. That voice of hers where she's like, hello, my fellow Americans, how are you? And then whatever city I'm in, you know, I go into the city, I tear apart the city. Um, I could do it clean or a little edgier. Um, It's gotten me a lot more work. And now you tweet uh, Palin Unplugged. Yeah. Now, what, what, do you tweet, tweet a lot in that or, what do you, what do you, or do you just I do was, comments? I was during the elections. I was doing a ton because she was coming out at, on every other show throwing these horrible Obama, you know, just just so mean toward him. And, and she's so, like, I don't mind about her having an opinion about who she wants to vote for, what side she's on. But the person that's in leadership, at least respect them. Right. That's what really bothers me about her. That's why I don't mind making fun of how she does that. You know, I never want to hurt anybody when I'm doing comedy. But if you're going to do something dumb, I'm going to mimic how you're doing it dumb and just show you your silliness, you know? Now, the Palin appears on the Bitchlorettes. Now, yeah. now, explain what the Bitchlorettes, because it's, it's it's a web series, and now yes. you created it and wrote it. Now, what explain that, what the Bitchlorettes is. Oh, that's funny. The Bitchlorettes, uh, you can find that on thebitchlorettes.com. Basically, it started off with me really hating shows like The Bachelor, 
and just don't you hate reality shows i don't get it it's like the housewives the housewives just disgust me and i hate i do hate because i grew up in south jersey cherry hill new jersey 10 minutes from philadelphia and i always say i'm from philadelphia my one friend always gives me crap going you're not from philadelphia and i said no because if you don't understand if you're if you're saying new jersey because there's a shit like jersey licious and the real housewives in new jersey and jersey shore and that's not what we are and that's why i I hate those shows and the bachelor so what's the bitch how did, how did you come up with that? So I wanted to make fun of The Bachelor. So I just got a group of my friends together. I wrote a script. And then we also improvised a lot Were of it. Were they comics? Uh, or actresses? Or just basic? Comedic so- actors. There's some that just have done improv and okay. never done stand-up. And then I just knew how to cast it well. And, you know, saved up a little money. Um, shot it. I directed it. Produced it. Um, and I played three different characters in it. And that was when I really capitalized on the Sarah Palin because she was on the show. There was a guy and he was the one, his name was Ben. And um, he was the one that was picking amongst the women who he was going to marry or propose to. And so we had a bunch of girls, but I play a pregnant Latina who's like eight months pregnant but on the show. Do you stick something in you? Yeah. Or, okay. Now, does that feel weird because you've been pregnant before? Or are you I, like, does it throw you no, back? No, no. I was totally comfortable with it. And then I play um, Courtney, actually cutney, but we call her cuntney on the show. Um, she was the girl that was on that episode with Ben that was just a model and she was a nightmare. Just dumb as a box of rocks and mean to everybody. So I do a lot of lines that she said on okay. the actual show and how she acted and then I play Sarah Palin, who's basically campaigning through the whole thing because she doesn't even understand that she's on a dating show and she's okay. married. So um, it was just so fun. We shot it in a, a two really long days and like three or four locations. And and we you know broke it up into seven episodes, which were so fun. And then as soon as I was done and launched it, launched the website, we wanted to sell the web series to like Sony or... Um, and uh, I was just getting ready to do that, and then Burning Love came out. <laughs> ben Stiller's version okay. of the same exact thing. Oh, okay. And and I was like, what? I was so mortified because I spent so much money. Ours was cut really well. I had a professional editor. I, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. Who's going to watch mine when Ben Stiller has his money to push this? Right. And then um, Yahoo, I think, bought it. And was like completely pushing it on. Bought um, yours? No. Oh, his. Okay. His. And uh, I mean, Jennifer Aniston was on. Right. His. I mean, really big names. I was like, there's no way. Mine's done. It, but thank God I did it before his because everyone would have been like, oh, you just copied right. Burning Love. And I was like, oh. Yeah, have you gotten feedback from it? Do people, I mean, is there a big yeah, following? Or, I mean, yeah, I have. Um, I have some people who've actually followed it and and they're like, when's the next one going to come out? When's the next? Are you going to do the female version? And um, I might, uh, but I think it's just a great tool to have to show my writing and acting and that I can do three different characters and um, put a whole, produce a whole show. See that? Yeah, that's cool. And then they can find that at thebitchlorettes.com? Yes. Okay. Now, also on your website, peoplelisaalvarado.com, uh, check out, there's now you host something with Paul Rodriguez? I was. I did 20 episodes of Mis Videos Locos, which was a, it's like a Spanish-English version of Tosh.0. Okay. We shot it on green screen. Um, Paul and I did it. It was Paul's show, but I played the producer on the show. 
So he would, but the live producer. So I would walk onto the set when he was on camera, tell him, you know, things like, you're, you're saying it wrong. You got to say it like this. So it was a lot of arguing and bantering and half in Spanish with him and I. That was on MTV Tres. And um, I think it went on for two seasons and then got canceled. How did it come? How did you get that gig? How did that come about? Um, I knew the producers had uh, actually they it was like a they were looking for writers initially, uh, Latina writers and um, Latino writers. And then I submitted and um, they brought me into the office and I talked my way onto the set <laughs> So they weren't looking for a sidekick for him. They were just, it was going to be the Paul Rodriguez show. And I was like, yeah, but all these jokes that I wrote, I I should just say them right. to him on stage, on the set. And I should just come in and out. And they're like, oh, that's a really good idea. It makes it different. Okay. So I kind of just created the role by, you know, pushing them a little bit. And they liked my look and, and the jokes and stuff. So worked out. That's cool. So also I saw that you're teaching comedy classes. Yes, I do. I'm mostly I'm, I'm doing one-on-one now. I used to do an actual class where, um, you know, you would do the whole six to eight weeks and have the graduation. And that was so time consuming. Right. I can imagine. And I, I love comedy and I'm, I'm such a fan of it myself and I still study it and I still watch really great comics. But when I get involved as a teacher, I had to go to all my students' classes, and I was writing for them, and I was helping them and coaching them, so it took up so much of my time that I feel like my own comedy backslid. So I don't do it like that anymore. I'll do individual coaching for people who you know maybe just want to start out or they're just looking to see what it's like or they have... You know, because people who want to do it, they've been writing for right. a year. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. They got a notebook. They got five notebooks. And Is that you? That might be. Sorry. That's all right. It's, uh, it's, um, it's one of her students, people. They're calling to say, hey, <laughs> I hey know. so what's it like to do radio? Now, you're on radio right now. What's you know? No, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Comics know better. Now, do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy the teaching? I mean, is it something that you... I love it. Okay. I love it. You know, but I teach in several different facets of my life. Like, I used to be a hairdresser. I would train other hairdressers. Okay. I'm, uh, I, I'm really into fitness, so I teach spin right okay. now. And I, I just love teaching and, like, helping other people. I think that's one of the reasons mainly why I do stand-up is I love just like bringing joy to other people and just like breaking the ice and bringing us together as one so if I can encourage people in any facet like I wish I had someone um, more like myself that uh, really had a passion just to love I don't think I'm the best comedian that you know as a teacher I just feel like I have such a passion for comedy that that I can really help someone hone their act a little bit more that's all now, do you still enjoy going out on the road? Because I know, I mean, I always say the road was a is a young person's game, and I, <laughs> I, I do have that feeling. And it's just because you know, and one thing, and and, and also, and me and Dwayne were talking about this mm-hmm. because you are a fitness, you love working out, and you love being. It's almost impossible to eat healthy on the road. Oh, I know. I mean, so how do you go about? I mean, how does it? I mean, do you? I mean, I'm sure you enjoy performing because it's always great to perform in different crowds. And unlike LA, you can instead of doing eight minutes, you can do right. forty or thirty or however long you're doing. Oh my gosh, it feels but, so good to be able to do an hour. Isn't it great? It's, you just, it's like you, you feel free because you can talk, you can do this, you can go this direction, you can try out new bits. It's there's no pressure. Oh, I love it. So I do try and go out on the road. Out meaning you know away from my house or airplane maybe one week out of the month and then i'll do corporates or i'll just stay in town i I do 
some print work here and stuff that just kind of gets me by. And I've shot a few commercials and stuff like that. So, so what are some of the commercials you've been in? Uh, <laughs> I was in a painting commercial. I was in a bank commercial recently. What was that? First Federal, I think, um, where I got to be in a bathtub, which was fun. And uh, <laughs> that one was great because it was a comedic spot. And um, how long are you in the bathtub for? I was in the bathtub for at least two hours, so maybe what two you, and a half. What are you wearing? Are you naked? They, or well, they have you in a in a flesh colored body bodysuit, okay. and. And so you look naked, but they put bubbles over me okay. in the bathtub, and they had literally hired a bubble guy. He was the <laughs> bubble tech. Because you know how bubbles go away? Oh, yeah. So they're in another room like, I just hear some machine, and they're making bubbles in between takes, and they would fill. So I'm like, can you come home with me? That's I love how you pl- place the bubbles. That's funny. Can you imagine that? Like, how does someone find that job? Like, you know, that's the thing about LA. It's like it's like the people who take pictures of food. Like, they, you know, they sit there and go, "Okay, well, this salad looks fresh because it's rubber cement." Yeah. And you're like, how? And they get paid a shitload of money. I know. It's like, how do you find a bubble tech? I mean, it's it's, it's an like out of work game. comic. It's a yeah. comic that didn't make it. That's the bubble tech. So, but the road. So, I mean, I know. Now, did you like playing in Vegas? Because it's it's a, it's a different crowd. I love Vegas. Now, where do you yeah. perform at usually? Brad, Brad Garrett's place. Um, I or? just did Brad Garrett's, and I do a couple places in Arizona, like casinos. And um, I'm trying to. There's more new rooms. I actually saw Brian and Tracy when I was out in Vegas, and they're just telling me about all these new rooms that just open in Vegas. I'm going to do the Laugh Factory soon. Um, and there's one that just opened at Bally's. Do you know the name of that? It's L.A. Oh, L.A. Com- it used to be a Planet Hollywood, but right. Sin City is at Planet Hollywood. Right. It's L.A. comedy. I don't know. I, I you know, I should try to pursue work, but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. You know, it's like I, I know the I know the guy who books uh, Sin City. I know right. Philadelphia. He hasn't gotten back to him. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. You know. I'm not. But so, exactly. what, what do you love about Vegas? Because I mean, is it just because? And well, I heard the one thing about Vegas is that there's always comics you know. So yeah. it's, it's like the camaraderie. It's, it's it's like a family reunion okay. when you go out there. They actually have a, at a venue on Thursday night all the comics that are performing in town will actually get together and have drinks and okay. it's there's no comedy related stuff going on it's just like oh that's where i saw john caponera you know johnny sanchez was there i saw tracy and it just it was so fun hanging out seeing everybody because when we're in town we're all busy right so we're always on the road and stuff so you don't get to sit and just have a drink with people and i think it's also it's it's an older group of comics yeah it's not like the hey we're hip it's like people yeah, have been on the, the road veterans. they know what's going on and they yeah. sit there and so i mean that's that's what's good right so uh, do you have any more uh, any vegas shows coming up soon um not yet i'm actually working on that and as soon as i get them i will post them on my website now i'll give your website info uh, LisaAlvarado.com, which is L-I-S-A-A-L-V-A-R-A-D-O. And now tweeting, tweeting. Do you tweet a lot or what do you tweet? I'm, I'm not good at it, but I will write jokes on Facebook. I have a fan page and then I have a regular page on Facebook. So I, I write a lot of jokes on there. You know what you should do? Here's what I do. I know, you link it up, right? Yeah, you link it up and then you tweet. Because I think, for me, and I still think as a comic, tweeting yeah. is one of the best writing tools because you have to get it through. Right. So you, and I tend to over-expose and, and you can tell, right. by the way, I talk on the radio, you yeah. can shut up. But <laughs> it makes you such a stronger writer because you go, wow, you have an idea and you go, and it's almost, especially because you teach and so you're, you're teaching people right. and it, 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 it teaches you how to write a better joke and you link it up so then you're killing two birds with one stone. It goes straight to... I know. You know what it might... The reason I didn't link it up is because I wanted to do a, a one joke for Twitter, one joke for my fan page, and one joke for my personal page. Okay. So I was like, that's three jokes a day. 
And then I don't always make it to Twitter, but I'll do my fan page and or my, my regular Facebook page. And it was more of a pride thing, like, come on, Lisa, you can do three jokes. But then sometimes you get busy or you get lazy or whatever. And um, I don't get to Twitter. Twitter's the one I neglect. It's my neglected child. Well, it's so funny because you said because yeah, we all say we try to write. Like, sometimes I won't tweet for days. But, like, during the, the camp, the... Uh debates mm-hmm. i was just tweeting up a storm yeah. and some of the stuff i mean people don't get and i, I write that right. way you know because i do pop culture references but it felt great but then i sit there and go wait i hope i don't annoy my friends who aren't comics i have a lot of friends on facebook right. who are my friends from back east so at the high school i'll be right. like but then people will come up to me and they go oh we really enjoyed your uh, thing i go why don't you put a like on it then yeah. I, feel like, I feel like i'm annoying it's you know it's so funny how many people really pay attention they're like oh i saw that you taught a spin class the other night i was like how do you know that Facebook. Yeah, it's crazy how. And they don't comment, but you're like, holy cow, that's amazing. So, what's in your future? I mean, are you gonna keep doing? Do you want to act more? Do you want to get stand up? I mean, what what, what is you, what's your what's your uh, culmination? Um, what would be the perfect idea for you? Uh, I'm writing a lot more. I'd okay. actually, um, I just wrote like a few um, show ideas, a couple reality talk show, and then my own sitcom. Okay. Based on my life and my act, and uh, that's that's the direction I'm trying to head in right now. Is just something that can keep me home a little bit more and I, I, I've given up the dream of actually being in front of camera not that I think I'd be bad at it I just think that if you're going to be a really good writer and um, creator you have to take yourself out of the equation like if there's someone that's younger funnier whatever that's a better actress than me great then she can take right. that role I'm, I'm good with that as long as the show is purchased and I got a job writing on it and creating and things like that then I'm still getting my need met right it's not my pride anymore about I gotta be on the show I gotta be the lead and no I don't I just need to get a paycheck you should write a book <laughs> About being a mother and humorous. That's a slant you need. Yeah, there's a bunch of them out there. I, w- I want to do, I was also wanting to do a book on dating. Okay. Specifically internet dating. Now, do you, are you, are you, are, do you internet date? I have. I, I did on and off for years and it's just so disappointing. Well, you know what's weird also is now the internet dating is becoming like the comedy world because there's meet black people, there's J-date, and yeah. there's like a exactly. Christian single. I'm like, yeah. whatever happened to just people dating? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. You have like married people that are cheating. You have um, gold diggers. You have uh, sugar daddy sort of, it's, it, I mean, any category you are, it's out there right. for the dating realm. It's it's crazy, but it's still the same no matter what the genre. It's still the same crap. Now, what uh, shows do you have coming up? Anything, uh, anything on the calendar coming up that people... Because this, this show's listened to worldwide. Yeah. But anything do you, off the top of your head? Oh, I know. I have to check my phone that was ringing earlier. <laughs> I know I have one on Wednesday. Where is it? It's down south somewhere. Okay. Uh... Yeah, Barnacles Bar and Grill on Wednesday. Where's that at? Uh, that Isn't like Huntington is, Beach or Hermosa yeah, Beach? Yeah, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, in Hermosa. And then the Harp is on Monday night, and that's in Costa Mesa. And then I think I'm doing the Egyptian Theater in Utah is June 1st weekend. Okay. Egyptian Theater. So give all your information again, because there's a lot. And now you have a, you have a DVD. I do have a DVD that's available online on my website, which is lisaalvarado.com. And you can find me on Twitter under Lisa underscore Alvarado. And I uh, have a fan page as well. Now, is a DVD just of your stand-up? Is there also some bachelorettes, or is it just a... Oh, it's fun. It's, um, I did an awe... Uh, an interview of myself okay. so I'm interviewing myself on green screen and it's uh, about 45 minutes of stand up and then man on the street stuff 
Okay, great. So people, check her out, lisaalvarado.com. Go see her. When you see the name, Yay. go out and say, I heard you on Cooper Talk. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much great. for having me. And it was good to hear, you know, that there's other people who have health problems and they've rebounded. So people, <laughs> listen to that. If you're, if you're feeling like crap and you find out you're okay, do what yeah. you have to do. Tell some dick jokes. Exactly. People, hit me up. Cooper at Indy100.com. I-N-D-I-E-100.com. I'll always answer your emails. Also, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. At Cooper Talk. That's uh, at Cooper Talk. And there I post... Uh, Upcoming shows, even though I don't perform much. I'm headlining Casa Torres in San Fernando, Tuesday Yay. the 21st. But also, yeah, just fun because I call them the Big Daddy Graham show a lot. You know, once a week, it's a late night segment. And it's just fun. I talk about Hollywood. Also, find past episodes on coopertalk.net. Or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and type in one word, Cooper Talk, so you don't get all confused with the Anderson uh, Cooper Talk show. And I have about 150 episodes up there, which I have some great acts. Next week, I have uh, Robert uh, Robert Romanus, who played Damone on Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and an amazing character actor named Robert Picardo. So check it out. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Keep listening and hit me up at Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Have a great day.